Are you an overwhelmed SaaS founder ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines. Welcome back to the Sassfield Podcast, where we salute the independent coffee roasters grinding their way to success, one bean at a time, against multinational coffee chains. You know, I love seeing challengers become champions. I'm your host, Jeff Maines. I hope you to be SaaS founders like you scale from seven figures, which is good, to eight and nine figures, which is outstanding. Together, we supercharge revenue growth, create premium valuation, and craft a business you're proud of and a life of impact that you love. I was on a flight this week and thinking about moments that redefined our understanding of what's possible. And today is actually one of those celestial milestones. It's the 54th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. July 20th, 1969, before my time. Three intrepid astronauts, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, Michael Collins, did more than just step foot on the moon. They shattered the glass ceiling of the cosmos, transitioning the phrase, you know, the sky's a limit from a metaphor of potential to a literal challenge and a challenge not just met, but surpassed. The moon landing wasn't just a, a triumph of technology. It was a victory of vision, of audacity, of an insatiable thirst for exploration. And when Kennedy said we're going to the moon, not because it's easy, because it's hard, it was. It wasn't just something he said. It was, it was impossible is what it was. And it was about pushing the boundaries, daring to dream bigger, and refusing to let the vastness of space intimidate us. And here's something that will absolutely blow your mind. And you might want to sit down for this one. You know, the very first flight, Wright Brothers, Orville and Wilbur, you know, first flight at Kitty Hawk was in 1903, 66 years from a 12 second flight to walking on the surface of the moon and successfully coming back to earth. I mean, that, that's pretty good. I mean, just getting there would have been a major accomplishment, but they came home, which is just amazing to me. 66 years. Think about the speed of innovation. And before that, 66 years before, flight wasn't even possible until someone did it. It was possible, but nobody had done it. The industry then exploded with innovation, and it completely changed the way people viewed what was possible. And the same thing happened with space travel. The Apollo 11 mission forever altered our perspective of the universe and continues to inspire us in the realm of business today. It reminds us that no goal is too lofty, no challenge is too great, no dream too audacious. It calls us to be the Armstrongs, the Aldrins, and the Collinses of our own industries to push those boundaries and redefine the realm of what's possible in your business, in your industry. That's what challenger brands do. It's impossible to win against brand X, right? Oh, they're huge. They own the market. They have deep pockets. They've got investment. Is it impossible? Are they a barrier or a benchmark? You know, most of us are challenger brands and we don't have an army of resources, our weapons, our ingenuity, insight, and a really intimate understanding of the customer's pulse. What do they value? What do they want in the market? 
Let's take a little departure from space and think about digital music. Now, the old way music was delivered, records, which were replaced by cassettes, and then CDs replaced those and streaming, and now we're back to records again, which I think is kind of funny. I haven't seen eight tracks, but uh, that, that would be hilarious. But to back to records again, but digital music, uh, when we started going from physical media to digital music, was really dominated by some big players. Uh, the biggest, Apple and Amazon. And some of the other pioneers had already been killed off. Napster, which is first, uh, mp3.com, PeopleSound, some other ones. But the giants really owned the market, and they were selling songs for 99 cents each. Eh, wasn't a, a great deal. wasn't a terrible deal. But yeah, it's, do I really want to pay 99 cents for this song? I don't know. And a new challenger brand emerged, a company called Spotify. And they became a rising star pretty quickly. Instead of being overshadowed, they turned to unmet needs of customers like me, a fluid subscription-based music streaming experience. And they delivered that. And so instead of having to pick and choose, do I want to spend 99 cents on this song? I could stream things all day long. And today, Spotify is no longer a challenger, but has moved into the role of a champion in the industry that they dared to disrupt. And as we navigate our way through the cosmos of business, let's take a, a page out of the Apollo 11's lunar module. Let's dare to dream. Let's dare to disrupt. Dare to set our sights on the stars and beyond. Because in the words of Neil Armstrong himself, that's one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. If you want to make the move from challenger to champion yourself, check out today's sponsor, Champion Leadership Group, the ultimate resource for SaaS founders and C-suite executives like you and me to continue to develop, scale companies, and never walk alone. Unlock untapped revenue by leveraging time-tested SaaS growth principles, toolkits, playbooks, and frameworks designed to help you scale ARR from seven to eight to nine figures. Collaborate with an elite network of SaaS visionaries, celebrate wins, and overcome defeats together. Confidently take that one step that creates your giant leap of profitable growth, premium valuation, and freedom. Learn more at championleadership.com. Our founder on Tuesday was Mike Ryan, who is founder and CEO of SpiceX, premier low-code platform for businesses of all sizes to empower tech and non-tech teams to quickly build custom solutions without the need for extensive coding knowledge, low-code, no-code solutions, awesome stuff. Last week on our SaaS Fuel Expert Series, we talked with Carlos Antiquera, CEO and co-founder at Novel Capital, a fintech that is changing the way startup founders grow and fund their business. He's a former exited founder himself, an angel investor, and gave great insights into funding your business creatively and keeping your equity. It's so important to hold on to equity for as long as possible. If you missed either one of those episodes, go back and give them a listen. My guest this week is recognized as one of the country's foremost authorities on challenger brand marketing, John Gumas. John is the author of the popular books, Marketing Smart and Challenger Brand Marketing. It's a great book. In addition, John is an adjunct professor of branding, advertising, and interactive marketing speaker and columnist. 
John also gives back, which as founders we should all do, and serves in a number of charities, including the San Francisco Giants Community Fund. Welcome a champion of challenger brands, John Gumas. Hey, John, welcome to SaaS Fuel. Good to be here. How are you doing? Fantastic. Yeah, I love your background and experience. In a day where people bounce from one company to another, you've been doing this for quite a while. So tell us a little bit about your background and, uh, and how you help companies and, and challenge your brands. Sure. Well, thanks so much. Love your show. Um, yeah, it's, I've been doing it for, I've had the company now for 37 ish years. Uh, it changes every year. So it throws me off. So I, I, I got, <laughs> I got to keep up with That's that. That's great. But, uh, yeah, the company started years ago, um, when I was working at, at uh, big agencies, uh, in, uh, in the area and <clears throat> they had lots of different clients. And what would happen a lot of times these, these, Clients would come or pro- prospective clients would come into these, these agencies and, and with great ideas, uh, startups, uh, smaller companies and the agency management would just kind of look at them and laugh and say, well, you don't have enough money for us. We're not going to, we don't want anything to do with you. <clears throat> so this kept happening over and over. I was thinking to myself, well, where do these companies go? They need help, but nobody's willing to help them. So, uh, um, that's where the, that's where the, the, the idea started. And, um, Love that. Yeah. And that's, that's where I, I decided to, to, to leave and start my own company. And, um, it's called Challenger Brand Marketing. And that, that's a, that's a methodology that was created back then. That's trademarked to us. We own the, the position. We own the, the, the trademark. And, uh, it's kind of exciting because it's become a recognized methodology, um, in the marketplace and, uh, and we own it. So we've been doing that. Yeah, we've been doing that for 37 plus years. So what is a challenger brand? How would you define that? A challenger brand has a lot of different uh, um, uh, looks to it. Uh, Mostly it's an organization of any size of any industry that is being usually out-resourced by larger competitors. And out-resourced typically means more marketing budget. But it can mean greater sales team, greater uh, uh, brand recognition. Essentially, if you don't have the same level of resource that one of your competitors or multiple competitors have, you can't market yourself in a traditional way. It, you, you'll just get out-resourced and you won't win. And um, so the methodology is based around how do you systematically build a business when, um, when you're being out-resourced in one way or another. Oh, that's great. I, I think that's true for a lot of companies. I mean, even big companies can be out-resourced. Uh, you think even Fortune 500, they have bigger competitors. So there's always bigger fish out there, right? There is. And, and I can give you example after example of companies we've worked with that, that are guerrilla brands, but they're entering a new category. They're uh, entering a niche or they have competitors that have really taken over that spot. And uh, so you're right. It, it's It's not just people think of smaller companies. It's not. Uh, we have an example of a, of a medical company. Um, the, they are the behemoth. If I told you the name, you'd know who they were. Um, behemoth, but they were entering a, a niche category that they felt was very, um, profitable for them. So when they entered it, nobody really knew that they played in that market. So they, they tried to bully their way in actually. 
and it didn't work, right? Because people didn't, yeah, people didn't believe them. They didn't uh, um, accept them. So they brought us in and we helped them kind of really identify what their uh, position needed to be, what their messaging needed to be, what their strategy needed to be. So they could, they could naturally flow into the market. And today they are, they are actually the, uh, the gorilla of that category. So that's the goal, <laughs> right? The goal is to start as a challenger and, and, uh, over time grow into, uh, um, if not the gorilla, a, a major player. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So you said traditional methods don't work. So how can, you know, how do smaller companies compete with the big guys? I mean, the, the market is pretty noisy and you've got competitors all over. How do challenger brands win? Yeah. Well, I, it, it, I don't want to be as bold as to say traditional uh, um, tr- strategies don't work. You know, they, they, they work. If you have enough money, anything, you know, will oh, sure, eventually sure. work. Right. But, but not everyone has <laughs> all the money of us in the do. world. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's, there's a process to this. And, and uh, what we utilize is, and what we've developed is what we call a five step process with the first step being the most important step in our opinion that a company will ever go through. And we refer to that as discovery. And that is learning um, the absolute truth about what the market feels about you. And what we're ultimately trying to figure out is the messaging. The messaging, in, in our opinion, is the most important part of, of any company. Because if you don't say the right thing to the right people and 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 inspire them to respond, I don't care how much money you spend, where you spend it. It's just not, it's not going to be as effective as, as uh, um, you want it to be. So the discovery is the first phase. And in the discovery process, we look at three key points of data. The first being customers, existing customers, prospective customers. And what we want to do is interview them. <clears throat> we want to talk to them one-on-one and we do it via the telephone. And the reason why we do it via the telephone is because when someone looks you in the eye, there's something a little intimidating about that. If you're in a, yeah, if you're in a focus group, there's always that one or two individuals that kind of dominate and, 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 uh, uh, affect the others in the, absolutely. In the group. So what we want to do is we want to talk to, to customers one on one and, uh, um, and we ask them a series of very unconventional questions. Because what, what can really happen and take a company, uh, sideways is you get the wrong information from your customers. So people tend to tell you the easy answer. People right. really don't think through, all right, the, the real reason why they hired you, the real reason why they chose you over your competitors. They don't. So what we have to do is extract that out of them. And we do that by, by asking a series of very unconventional questions, all designed to pull emotion. And as we go to verify, uh, um, the accuracy. So, so those, and when, when we interview our customers or, or their customers, it's about a 20 ish minute interview. So it's fairly quick. Okay. And we don't need, we don't need a lot of them, which is great because we can get our data with, with not a lot. So it's a very cost efficient, efficient way of, 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 of gaining data. And uh, so, so of that first step, that's the first category we look at is customers. The second within that first phase phase is uh, internal, the internal stakeholders of a company, because what we don't want to do is create messaging or create a brand or create a position that our clients really can't live up to. So a brand 
is is really the essence of an organization. You know, there, a company like ours or any any company should not go in and create a brand for an organization that's not true. Right. Our job, you know, our job is to extract, you know, the the essence of who you are. And then so we pull that out. And, and we do that through very similar interviews, uh, and questions that we ask customers and we ask our clients internally. And almost every time they don't line up. They That's don't line up. Yeah. What are, it what completely are, makes sense because we see our business differently than our prospects and our clients do. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a human, it's human nature. It's impossible for us as humans when we work in a company and we're so engaged and, and, uh, 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 you know, every day we work in a company, it's impossible really to step outside of it and look at it objectively like someone like a prospective new customer would. It's, it's impossible. We just, we just know too much. Right. So in our opinion, all marketing, all messaging should be targeted to somebody who's never heard of your company before. That should be the target, right? They've never, ever heard of your company before. And that's most people. That's most people. And (laughs) and that's, that is. So it's, it's easy to skew your message when you're talking to someone who knows you. Right. Well, someone that knows you, you know, that's a, that's a different conversation. Um, so we look at, we look at data from those two points and we add a third one because it's a very critical part. We, we do a very deep dive uh, into our, our competitors and we do a competitive analysis because we need to know what competitors are saying. We need to know what their message is. We need to know what their position is because we as, as challenger brand marketers need to position our clients and we need to position them in, in a place where, where they can own and nobody can really take, take that position from them. So we look at those three points, right? Our, we interview customers. So we have good customers, not so good customers, bad customers, customer, you know, old customers that have left. So a 360 of, of customers. That's the first. The second is the internal, the stakeholders within the company from the C level on down to, to people in charge of marketing. And the third part is a competitive analysis. So those three points get us to where we can now create messaging that we know is true and real and it's going to resonate with the audience and ultimately inspire them to some sort of action so from from that data collection we create the messaging and we also create the strategy so if you do that first part the discovery right the messaging and the strategy write themselves in theory right because it's the data you're putting together so it's not not based on feeling or based on what I think about my business. Yeah, does that happen a lot? Where owners kind of think they know all the time, and, <laughs> and we 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 uh, uh, we joke internally that the most dangerous thing a company can ever say is "I think." You know, I th- <laughs> I think I think this is what we should say. I think this is why people buy from us. I think this is where we should advertise. I think. That is the most dangerous and expensive, uh, uh, you know, uh, approach in marketing, in our opinion. But it happens all the time because it's so it normal. It's so normal. This is an industry where it's so easy to to really believe, you know. And that's that's that. You know, I, I, we tell our clients this all the time. It's it's not a it, it's it's not a negative on them. It's just it's just a human nature reality. We just fall into this kind of this this trap that we, we think we know because it's the easy path. But unless you get to the point where you're absolutely sure this is what you need to say, 
how you need to say it, and it's unique to you, then it doesn't matter where, you know, what sort of marketing strategy you have or, or what sort of social media you're on. It's just never going to be as effective because you're not saying what that prospect needs to hear. All right. So, so that, that's the, the Developing the messaging and the, and the strategy is the second part of the five step. The third part is the creative, the visuals, the imagery, or is, does the brand need to be adjusted to, to now, uh, fit your, the, the, the messaging? Uh, sometimes that, that's a disconnect. Is your website connecting correctly or all the right. other visuals? And this goes all the way through to, you know, uh, uh, what are the, what's, what's the sales team presenting? What are they, what, what's it look like for them? So. Now we're at step three, and that's where the creative part starts, where most companies think that, well, the creative starts first. Right. We would argue, yeah, we would argue that, that you're not ready to, to do any sort of visuals, any sort of marketing, any sort of creative execution until you get the messaging right. And you've, you've, you've gone through the process to determine the right messaging. So that the creative is a third part. The fourth part is now, okay, we're ready to go to market. In, in, in our strategies, we want to surround the, the prospect. And a challenger brands don't have a lot of money. So you have to identify the audience. So if, if the audience is, let's say the world, right? <laughs> which, which, uh, is an audience, by the way. If it is the world, well, most companies can't afford to, to, to market to the world. Well, right. maybe, maybe they start with, with, with the, you know, the United States. Well, a lot of companies realize, well, may, that's a big place and there's a lot of people. Maybe it's not the United, maybe let's just start with California first. Or let's just start with the Bay Area first. So you kind of shrink the, the target to start with until you, 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 you have an, uh, a geographic target that, that works with your budget. So to us, a marketing strategy starts with the resources we have, the budget, and you work backwards. So if you have X dollars to spend, you might not be able to hit the US right now, but you could reach the Bay Area in a very, very effective way. So as you grow systematically, next step is you expand to California, expand to the Western states, expand to the U.S. and expand that way. But you do it in a very, very systematic way that allows you to take the resources you have and allocate them in the best way for the greatest impact. So um, that's that's the fourth step that we, you know, we call go to market plan. And the, and the final step is is really the ongoing optimization and analysis of of the program. Right. So when you, when you launch a program, you want to be monitoring it every single day, every single week, every single month to make sure it's going in the right direction and the tools and the, uh, uh, uh the vehicles you're in are the right ones. Right. So that's that in, in a very, very, uh, um, big nutshell. That's the five step process, but each step validates the one before and each step allows companies to, uh, to very, um, systematically and very confidently uh, grow a business and build a marketing plan that works. I think that's a great process. Uh, where I've seen a lot of companies get that wrong is in the very beginning, instead of having conversations, they may send out a survey or they may have one conversation and think that everybody else thinks the same way, or maybe that conversation happens in their head and everybody thinks the same as me. Yeah. So that, that's what the marketing is. You're, yeah. You're so, you're so right. And, and it's, it's that data collection at the beginning that is so important. And, you know, it, it's, it's not letting yourself kind of get sidetracked by data that is incorrect. 
we talked about this a, a moment ago where, you know, written, written, uh, types of, of, of resource or, or research collection are good. If you're trying to figure out, do you like the blue one or the red one? Okay. Right. Would you rather us close at five o'clock or six o'clock? So very, you know, very tactical information is, is that that's written surveys. But if you're really trying to find out the essence of who you are and why people truly buy from you versus your competitors, and ultimately, what is the actual message I need to say? What are the actual words that I need to describe to, to invoke an emotion? to get somebody to actually respond and want to buy something from me. That's a whole different approach. And unfortunately, a lot of companies confuse the two and they'll, they'll, they'll do the type of research designed to, to, to generate like tactical information where what we're trying to figure out or we have to figure out is, is what is the emotional message that's going to drive someone to action? Cause you want someone when they see, anything from a social media post to, uh, uh, you know, or go to your website or, or you're making a presentation, you want them to go, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Exactly. You, right. How did you know? How did you know that's what I'm looking for? Well, that, that doesn't happen by accident. It happens through the process that we just described. And it's important, the, the order of those questions. So you can ask them something at the beginning, you may get a surface level answer, but uh, when you warm them up and really build that rapport, you could ask that question five or six or seven down, you're going to get a different response or they're willing to open up a little bit more because you've built that rapport. That's yeah, so true. And, and as you know, you want the truth out of someone because people, you know, they, they, they t naturally tend to give you the easy answer. And the easy answer, like we say, is not what you want. It's not helpful and it's dangerous. So you, do you want to warm them up in the questioning and you do want to, uh, uh, get to a, a point where, you know, we're not looking for yes, no answers. We're looking for emotional answers where, where, you know, you know, if you had a magic wand, how would you create this product that would be perfect for you? Um, those types of questions, you know, a lot of word association type of questions where word association really, when you, when you're forced to make a quick answer based on something or, uh, 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 uh we give them a word, they give us a word. You really find out the, the, what's important to them. So it, it's this, this, we just tear it and, and tear the questions, tear the questions to where the, the question not only invokes this emotion, but it, it validates where they're going. And, and, and the, and the, the best part is we, we, we do this externally, right? So our, our, our customers, then we do it internally with our, our, you know, the company. <laughs> And I've been doing this like 37, almost 38 years now. Never, not once, what our customers are, you know, internal matches with external. So it's always, you know, the, the company, what they think their customers want is not, is not accurate, not with their customers. And it can be misaligned just a little bit. And that slight misalignment is, is all the difference in the world. And so during the, the data collection, process, the discovery phase, we also take our uh, clients, our companies through what we call a symposium, where we lock in, we lock, you take the key people in the company, a dozen, 15 or so, somewhere in there. Um, it can be less. We lock them in a room. We lock the door from the outside, <laughs> <laughs> take everyone's cell phone, and just for a few hours, take them through some exercises. 
that are really forced to get them as, as a, as an organization aligned. And it is amazing. And, and I'll go, I'll say, I'll, I'll go on a limb and say every time we do this, the internal folks are not aligned. If we ask them separately and we do before we go in. So, so describe the company to me. We get different answers. Of course. And, and as you know, you know, any successful brand, any successful company, the real ones, the internal folks, all the way down to the line employees say the same thing about the company when asked, right. well, tell me, you know, what your company does. So it, it it's critical that, that, that the internal uh, um, folks are aligned in messaging because it's, it, it's simple. And, and, you know, messaging is about simplicity and where, where uh, it's really easy to write a page or two about your company. It's really hard in seven seconds or less to describe what your company does. And in today's world, let's just take a website, for example. I mean, we, we subscribe to the, the uh, a rule that, that we have found and we call it the seven second rule. You have seven seconds. When somebody comes to your website, you have seven seconds to tell them what you do and get them excited about, about who you are. So they'll, they'll want to learn more. Whereas most companies try to, they say too much. And as a result, they say nothing. Right. And, you know, we, we have a favorite quote in, in the company, and that is by Mark Twain. It's a great quote. And Mark Twain once said, he said, I would have written you a shorter note, but I did not have the time. Right. You know, it's, because a it's, it's, it's a great one. And it, it really describes uh, uh, what we as marketers have to do. You have to be short, sweet, simple. And, you know, in, in our opinion, the concept of, of a, a message, right? The longest message you should ever, ever have, uh, in any sort of, 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 of initial marketing is, is yeah, kind of referred to many people as an elevator pitch, right? It, it should be no more than about 30, 30 ish seconds, 30 seconds, no more than about 45 ish words, right? That's your longest form. And your elevator pitch really needs to answer four key questions, right? One, who are you? What do you do? What makes you different from all your competitors? And the most important, the most important is what's in it for me? The person that's visiting your website, the person that's talking to you, what's in it for me? Because at the end of the day, that's all I care about as a customer. Right, you tell right. me, you know, tell me what's in it for me. And when you, when and we review lots and lots of competitive sites and competitive uh, uh, marketing programs, it's amazing how many times it stops at the third question or it doesn't even get to the third question. But, you know, it's all about me. Let me tell you who I am. Well, right. Nobody cares who I am. They care what I could do for you. And that's that's the you know, that's the attitude that that uh, um, that challenger brands need to take is is this is a message, quick message about benefit. And here's what we can do for you. Oh, that's really, really helpful. So what what do you think the, the role of marketing is? in today's world now that that's such a good question and um and i think about my company all the time and and uh yeah we're a challenger brand marketing company but when when people ask me what we do that that's what i what i tell them what i truly believe is our job is to help you build a business that's our job we use challenger brand marketing we use all these tools we're talking as you know as as the tools to help you do that but that's our job is to help you build a company and marketing touches on so many different aspects within a company. And, uh, um, if, if you're doing marketing 
just to do marketing, it's usually not going to work as well as if you really understand why you're doing it and, and you know, you're doing it to build a company. And so that's why when we do these, we have to work with the, with the C-suite. We have to work with the owners of a company. We have to really understand where they want to take this company. Uh, for example, if they're looking to sell it in three years, five years, 10 years, where that we need to know that because that's a slightly different approach to really create brand value. Um, because we, we identify brand value as literally the difference between something cost, what it costs you to make and what somebody is willing to pay for that, that service, that product, you know, that, that, that Delta is the value of your brand. So if you're selling a company and you're only selling a company based on, you know, a multiple of earnings, well, that, that's a set number. But if you add into that calculation, the value of the brand companies are worth multiple times you know, yes. what their, uh, um, what their sales are. So we need to know that. And there's so many other factors that when we really start talking to the, the, the owners of companies, the C-suite folks, the people that are really guiding the organization, we get a sense of what they need to accomplish. So we can make sure the marketing does that and, and takes that into account. Um, Versus, you know, a lot of times we get people that, that will call us up and say, Hey, I want to do social media. I want to start marketing. And, you know, it's like, oh, time out, time out. Why? <laughs> Why? What do you want to accomplish? You know, it's, it's, it's an important it's, question. It's a really important question. And, and it's amazing to me how few times people will ask us that. Uh, and we have to ask them the question is where do you want, you know, wh- what's the true objective here? You know, and it's, Sales is an obvious one, right? And that's that, and that, that is kind of right. a, you know, that's the course. surface answer. And that's the surface answer. <laughs> and of course you have to do that, but there's so many other KPIs that you have to look at in terms of, you know, brand awareness. Uh, maybe there's a competitor that we, we see that is, that is really starting to rise and we have to do something about that to, uh, um, to squash them and, and maybe, you know, or there, there's, there's, uh, um, Oh, a new product coming or there's, there's, there's so, so many KPIs that we have to look at. It's not just sales, but right. the understanding that sales is always there. It's always there. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So how does sales and marketing work together? Oh, in my opinion, they're one. In my opinion, it's, there is no marketing without sales. There is no sales without marketing. Um, and, and that's, because, in my opinion, because, you know, ultimately, you know, marketing, think, think of marketing is, is the, 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 the air cover, right? The air cover and, and, and sales are kind of the, 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 the ground soldiers. Well, that's such a horrible example. That's such a horrible <laughs> example <laughs> in today's day and age. So forgive me for that. Um, but you know, what marketing does is, is marketing is the difference between somebody calling you, right? And wanting to talk to you versus sales is you calling them and wanting to talk to them. To me, that's the difference between sales and marketing. And marketing needs to be that, that, that force that, uh, that hits a lot of people in the market and brings those people to you. So sales can really, depending on the organization, okay? So sales can, can go out and close that business. Um, so marketing the starts cycle. the conversations. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So marketing gets people to call you. Sales is the process of calling them. So it's in, you know, inward versus outward. So, so they, they, when they call, 
it it really gives them a, a reason to, like you said, you know, what's in it for me. It, it's articulating that value proposition and giving them a reason uh, to to reach out, you know, a reason yeah, I, to believe that life could be different than the way it is today. Exactly, and think about the time of a sales team, right? If they're if they're spent, they do. I'll keep the math simple for my little brain. So let's say they make ten calls a day. If they're calling ten people who don't know them, maybe one of them will talk to them. Right. Okay. That's kind of the typical outbound. So take marketing. Now, if marketing is generating 10 leads for them, now they're talking to 10 people who want to talk to them. So just think about efficiencies. So just think about close rates and just think about sales that come from that. Just think about all the positives in that scenario versus the typical scenario of just salespeople just, just uh, um, typically, not always, but typically just kind of going out there and hoping that they call somebody or reach out to somebody that is, or meet them at a trade show or whatever it might be. Right. So what, uh, what are the best marketing channels? I mean, you've, you've been doing this 37 years. You've seen a lot of changes in the industry. Um, you know, how have those changed and, and what do you see as working really well today or does it matter? It, well, well, first of all, I don't want to generalize. Okay. Because Every company will have a different answer to that question. And that's a really important point. And part of when we're doing our discovery, that's one of the things we're trying to learn is uh, what channels you, let's say you're, you're a prospective customer. We're trying to find out from you, what channel would you be comfortable finding me? Okay. So if I'm on a channel uh, and, and when I refer to channel, it can be any social media, it can be direct mail, it can be search, it can be whatever. Sure. Um, but if I'm on a channel that, that doesn't align with my brand, then all of a sudden you're not going to believe there's, there's going to be a disconnect. So every company and every company's customers, uh, has a different, uh, ha- has a different answer to that, to that question. But the one thing that I can, I can tell you, and we're talking about changes, the, the, the way you get your message out to people has changed dramatically. So go back not too many years ago, back in the day when, you know, you had conventional television and you had conventional radio and you right. had billboards and newspapers, right? Although, although most young folks nowadays don't remember what a newspaper is, but I'm, <laughs> yellow I'm, page. I'm, I'm yeah, that? yellow page. I'm illustrating a point now, right? Not to show age, but illustrating a point. Um, it, that think about then to now, right? Right. The way, the way you get a message out and how quickly you get a message out through social media, through digital, uh, uh, tactics, through email, through search, search, uh, through connected TV, through all of these things. And there, and every day it seems like there is a new channel that comes in. So with that, there are so many options. There are so many options that, that uh, an advertiser can use but the advertiser has to pick the right one. And I will answer your question in a moment, but I'm, I'm, make, I'm, I'm dramatically making a point if you didn't <laughs> notice that already. Um, but what hasn't changed, and in my opinion, will not change for a long time until, um, until that point where we're all AI robots, right, is the concept of the message where it's a person talking to another person. And I've never in my, in my years ever seen a, a scenario of a company buying something from another company. Right. There's always a person in that company buying something from another person, that company. So right. whenever you have people, there's some sort of emotion, you know, 
involved because we're, we're humans. So what hasn't changed is the message. So that you always have to make sure the message is right. Now that you have the message, how do you deliver that message? Back to your original question, what, what are the best forms? Well, there, there, there are no best forms, but we are big, big fans of, of thought leadership type marketing where people find you because, because what you're saying makes sense. And the one thing that we have found as in, in doesn't matter what market you are, again, we're all humans. None of us, you, me, anyone, we don't like to be sold to anymore. Right. right? Right. The moment, right, the moment somebody tries to sell you something is the moment you kind of step back and go, oh, I don't know if I trust that person. I, you know what? They're trying to sell me something. Their credibility has, has, has dropped a little bit. So that's the new world. So the strategy now, in our opinion, is how do you sell without selling? Right. How do you do that? And it, it's, if you think about that concept for a moment, it, it's, uh, uh it's, it's interesting. And for that reason, what we, what we have found now is working really, really well. Our strategies based around search where you, you create content like, like we're doing here today. You know, we're not selling sure. anything to anybody. We're right. trying to inform people. We're trying to, you know, tell them about, uh, um, uh, what's new out there and a different approach to marketing. So you want to position yourself as a thought leader. Um, to where somebody, you know, believes in, 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 and, and what you're saying is credible and they're learning something. So the moment, the moment you kind of cross that line and start selling something is when you start to really run the risk of losing that believability, losing that credibility. So, um, search right now in, in all forms and all strategies, especially from a thought leader perspective is very, very effective because, um, you start conversations and, and that's, that's an important thing. And marketing can, depending on the type of product you have, basically the more expensive your product is, the, the more you need to start a conversation with somebody versus sell something. You know, as, as your, your product becomes more of a, I don't want to say commodity, but, but a lower price and you're trying to sell, then, then, you know, then, then you're, you are looking for a call to action. You are looking for something, but it, it's this concept of, of, of really being truthful. And really getting the marketplace to, to, to trust you and believe you. And that's critically important that not, not all companies, uh, understand right now, because that's a shift. That's a it shift. Is. And, you know, the shifts are what in marketing you really need to understand. And, uh, um, so it's not just about let's just spend a lot of money on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and Pinterest and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, it's not about that. And we see clients that, you know, new clients come to us all the time say, I want to spend X amount of money on, you know, on Facebook and LinkedIn. And our first question is why? Why? <laughs> That's a great first question. And, and it's not to be, you know, smart ass. It, it's, it's to really, again, our job is to help them grow a business. So we're going to ask these questions first. What are we trying to accomplish? Where do we want to go? What, what do we want this company to look like in six months, a year, five years? Where do we want to be? So with that first question is when you start working backwards. Okay. We want to be here in a year, in five years. Okay. Here's, here's how, here's how we're going to do it. Um, and here's how we're going to achieve those objectives. And, and, and those questions that we ask up front really help companies understand 
All right. These things. And, and again, marketing is not about spending money. Marketing is about helping a company become successful. It's, it's helping them build a niche because challenger brands, all a challenger brand has to do is create a niche for itself and own it. If they create and own a niche, a niche that they can defend from anybody, they will be incredibly successful, incredibly yes, successful. Yes. And the con- that concept is not, it's not always understood. Um, because <laughs> it, it, I'm sure you've heard this when, when you ask people, tell me who your audience is. Well, they'll say everyone. Right, right. Well, no, it's not everyone. It can't be everyone. Right. Um, if, if you're for everybody, you're for nobody. That's right. That's right. So again, it, it's, um, it's, it's a process of truly understanding and thinking a little differently about what marketing does and how you start out with marketing and what, what you want it to be. Because what you want it to be is what is where you want to take your company. And then marketing is then customized. Challenger brand marketing is customized to that objective to make that happen. And then it's tracked every day, every week, every month to make sure you're achieving uh, um, those objectives and getting closer and closer to your goal with every day. That's great. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Behind you've got a couple of racks of baseballs. And so (laughs) let's talk some baseball here. Tell me about that, you know, just a little bit about your background with baseball and what you're doing today. Sure. So, um, uh, we're very fortunate. I'm very fortunate. I'm, I'm a big sports fan, big baseball fan. And luckily we, we get to work a lot in the industry. Um, uh, we've worked with, uh, professional baseball teams, minor league baseball teams, we hall of fames, um, different sports entities. So, uh, we've, we've had a, a, an opportunity to, to be involved and, and, uh, and help, you know, and, and, and not, not only involved with the organization, but, but specifically with the marketing of different sports teams. And so, yeah, that's the baseball. Every single baseball behind me has a story behind it. It's somebody I've met, um, somebody that we've done a promotion with, a, a, we've had them on a, you know, in an ad or whatever it is. And, so, um, uh, drives my wife crazy. She won't let me put any, put them anywhere, but here in my office. <laughs> that's, that's great. Well, it is, is fantastic. And you're, you're still pretty involved with, uh, the Giants, the San Francisco Giants. I and, am. Uh, the charity. Am. Yes. And, and, uh, um, they, the San Francisco Giants have, uh, uh, one of the best charities in all of sports. And, uh, um, it, it's the concept of, of, charity concept of community support is really important and uh, um we talked about a, m- a moment ago right what's shifting what's changing uh consumers uh we really want to work with brands that 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 support our communities absolutely and um sports teams have really embraced that and uh, um so think about you know your local sports team and you're probably going to see, if not, you know, they've been doing it for a while, or maybe they're starting something up, but their, their support for the community. Because in sports, what's happening is it doesn't matter the sport, baseball, football, basketball. You, you have the hardcore fan, right? You have the hardcore, the low hanging fruit. This is for every business, right? The folks that are going to come to you, they're going to come to you. The sports sure. fans, win or lose, they're there because they just want to see what you, what the, the product on the field. But where the growth comes, and again, not just sports teams, but businesses in general, where the growth comes is the the peripheral fan, the peripheral customer, right? The ones that aren't the low-hanging fruit. So how do you get them to, to be involved? 
So in the, in, in sports, all right, it, it's, it's the fan that is going to come, uh, because they're looking for entertainment. They're not necessarily looking for baseball or football. They're looking for entertainment experience. Right. So your competitors there would be right. A walk on the beach, uh, the movie theater, uh, a nice restaurant. Mm-hmm. All right. All, all the things that you would do, um, uh, for entertainment. So the teams that are successful are the ones that have identified that and understand that. So they create an experience uh, based around entertainment and they, they create an experience that, that really helps the community. So in the terms of the, the, the San Francisco Giants, I mean, they're just incredible philanthropists and uh, um, do such a great job of, of in, engaging the communities, engaging the kids, engaging the families. And, and that wasn't by accident, right? That was a very, very methodical planned out process that, that, that is a win, win, win for everybody. So it, it's, uh, you know, sports teams are no different than in any other business. In, in our opinion, right? When you, when you just, just peel the onion back to its core, right? This is really a process of understanding who your audience is and understanding what they need to hear and connecting that to your brand. So it's true. So you can live up to that. And, and it's, it, it's authentic when you're saying it. And then the third part is you kind of mix in the competitive set and you know, what other people are, are, are saying and doing. And, and then what you, you know, then you, you, you learn what you need to do. You understand your process. You understand, uh, um, your, your, what, what, how you need to go about the, the, uh, um, the, the fun and complex uh, uh, process of, of marketing and then throw in challenger brand marketing, which excites the heck out of me. And, and now you're, you know, you've got a formula for, for, for success. I love that. I believe every business should have uh, a charitable connection and whether it's something that they do or sponsor or, you know, are involved with. So we have an obligation to give back as business leaders, but also just like you said, it, it's really something that, our clients, our prospects, they want to support. They want to get into. They they want to work with brands that stand for something, right? And, and you're right. And and I would argue at the at the at the risk of sounding insensitive here. <laughs> so maybe I, I'll ask for forgiveness first. Um, uh, you a company really needs to look at their charitable giving in a strategic way. Yes. Right. So the, 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 the charities, the causes that they support need to, need to tie back to their brand, need to tie back to their vision, need to, need to somehow connect. So if you just randomly pick a, a charity, randomly pick a cause that is not connected. I mean, I, I, I get that's a wonderful thing to do. I get that. Sure. Okay. Again, that's where the insensitive uh, uh, concern came in here. It's a wonderful thing to do. But if you can tie it into a connection back to your company, then it works significantly greater or better than it would if you don't. I think so that's we, important we, that you do have that connection, that it's, that you're emotionally attached to it, that there's a reason for it. It's not just you know picking something because it sounds like a good idea. But that, that you're passionate about because that, that really comes through not only in your marketing, but with your team, with your customers. And, and you know, that's just something that, that resonates with you. And that, that excitement affects them as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're right. It's, you know, charitable giving and charitable support for organizations is risky because a lot of times it's not sincere and it comes off as, as such. Right. So it can backfire on you. And you look at, you know, organizations like Tom's, you know, the shoes company. What, I mean, 
brilliant, you know, giving shoes to people that need them. Yep. You know, that, okay, there's a connection, right? That, yes. there's, it's logical in your mind. Go, okay, wow, what a great thing to do. So that, that's a that's a, an example that that all organizations need to think about. How do we connect? With, with a charitable organization, a cause, low, if, if you're, you know, it should be local, should be national. I mean, all of those things tie into the connection, but you don't know the connection until you go through the process of discovery to understand, right? What your, what your, your customers and prospective customers want. And these are all things you can find out in discovery versus waiting to the end to kind of guess. You know, and, and, you know, we all do this as, oh, well, I like, I like the local boys and girls clubs. That's fantastic. Let's do that. Well, that's great. That's wonderful. A phenomenal charity. But how does that differentiate you? How does that connect right. you? I, you know, there's a thousand organizations that give to that, or, to that organization. Maybe there's something that, that fewer people or no people are giving to that you can help build and you can help right. create. So look at it a little differently, right? Look at it from, from a perspective that, that how do you work together to help each other? I love that. Well, where can people find out more about you and about uh, Challenger Brand Marketing online? Uh, well, well, thank you. So, so they can easily go to our website. It's gumas.com, G-U-M-A-S.com. A lot of great resources there. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can, uh, um, uh, our blog has really great, uh, um, ongoing information. And also this is uh, our, our first book, Marketing Smart, um, is you can download it actually for free on, on the website. Um, so if, if, and social media, I, I encourage you to follow us on social media because we have a lot of good content. But if anyone has a question, if they just want to uh, ask me a question, I'm happy to answer. All they have to do is mention your name and, and I'll be happy to answer a question. And my email is jgumas at gumas.com. J-G-U-M-A-S at G-U-M-A-S.com. And we'll make sure and link that in the, the show notes and uh, the book as well. And you have a, a new book. So first yes. book, Marketing Smart is on the website. The new book, Challenger Brand Marketing is uh, available Amazon everywhere books are sold. Everywhere books are sold. Yeah. Mostly Amazon is where and, and happy it uh, recently hit the, um, the, the bestseller list. So we're very excited about that. Fantastic. I got my copy. Oh, I actually bought a copy. So it's not something that's a freebie. It, it is a great, great book. Yeah. I, I wrote the book because it, it, it's, uh, um, I, like, like most people, I don't have a, a lot of free time. So it, it, uh, um, I'm not a fan of books where I have to read 300 pages. And at the end, the last page, I get the one nugget, right? <laughs> right. I get the one that it took me 300 pages to get the one nugget. Th this book is designed. It, it's very short, very concise chapters. And every chapter you walk away with, wow, I can apply that to my business today and make a difference. I so it was written for, for people like me that have short attention spans and don't want to re <laughs> wait, wait to the end for the one nugget. I call it airplane length. <laughs> yeah, it's something you, you can read it on a, a flight and, and consume it. And it's not something that is just bulked up where, you know, it wasn't five pages that was designed to, you know, expand it out to 300 to, to please a publisher. Every single word in there makes a difference. Everything, every concept counts. So there's, there's, exactly. no, there's no fluff. Exactly. So I always appreciate that. John, it has been great having you on the show today. I really appreciate our conversation. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I really enjoyed it as well. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks again, John, for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom and insights. You can learn more about John at gumas.com. That's G-U-M-A-S.com. And be sure to pick up a copy of his book, Challenge Your Brand Marketing. Yeah, I really, really do like this book. Highly recommend it's, uh, it's very actionable. It's easy to read. It's not huge. Uh, it's not a bunch of fluff. 
And so that's one of the things that I really appreciate about the, the book is, is you take, read a chapter and, and you can put it to work pretty much immediately. So as a, a challenger brand myself, I found it extremely valuable. So definitely go pick that up. Check it out. Um, as always, all links, highlights, resources, and full show notes are available at sasfuel.com. And check out our YouTube channel as well. Full video podcast, shorts, SaaS training, and more. Subscribe or follow us there. And everyone who subscribes this week gets a Challenger starter pack featuring a rubber band and paper clip. Because, you know, you never know when you might need to MacGyver your way out of a situation. And hey, we're founders. We MacGyver our way into and out of things every single day. Well, join us next Tuesday where our founder is Marina Bershkina, CEO and founder of Growth Channel, fellow Texas founder down there in Austin. Uh, they are rocking the digital advertising space and doing amazing things to put you right in front of your ideal prospects so that they say, I see you everywhere. I really love what she's building. And next Thursday, one week from today, on our SaaS Fuel Expert Series, we have Kate DeLeo. She is a brand architect and the number one international best-selling author whose approach is rooted in the belief that brand is the path of least resistance to revenue. Really interesting, building on what we learned today from John. Uh, we'll talk to Kate one week from today, next Thursday, and Marina next Tuesday. Really, really excited about that. So I will see you next time. And as always, to the moon and back. Enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to SAS Fuel. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned are available at sasfuel.com. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash sasfuel. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes.